0: On a rainy Labor Day weekend, I was surprised to see anybody here. Congratulations, guys. I'm glad you made the effort. Usually Mark plans this so that one of us underlings like me or Jimmy gets the bad weekends to preach. He kind of checks the calendar and says, oh, nobody's going to be there that day. Hey, here you go. No, just kidding. It, but it has worked out that way for me a few times. That and Jeremy, watch our recording up there. and Make sure it records. <laughs> I think there were in the early days. Uh, I think there were at least eight times I preached and it didn't record for some reason. I was beginning to get complex about it, uh, but we didn't stream live then. So so now, unless the stream goes down, you have to hear it some way or another. So at least we've got that out there. But, but glad to have everybody here this morning. If you're a guest, uh, welcome. Uh, just really happy to see everyone. Uh, we're going to continue today in the study of Genesis. We're going to be talking about Isaac today. Um, who did we talk about last week? Oh, Kidmo, I am just like Mark. Look, Kidmo, you are dismissed. I'm a great feeling because I forgot just like he does, so I I feel better about it already. And for you that don't know, maybe if you're a guest at our church, we have a children's program called Kidmo. This is for our elementary age kids, and what they do is they come in and worship with us to start with in the music part of the service, and then they dismiss and get their own age appropriate teaching over there. Also have a nursery as well as elementary uh, stuff. And this would be a good time I think to mention as we're talking about that, and this actually ties in with the, the latter part of the sermon today, if you would like to volunteer in those areas. We are looking for volunteers in all of our areas right now, whether it be, be tech and and worship type stuff that you see in here uh kids ministries hospitality we need lots of help out there and would love to have some some new fresh faces involved so if you've maybe been checking out journey for a while and haven't gotten involved in anything specifically we would love to have you there uh if you'd like to help with youth as paul was mentioning jimmy could use some help on that on wednesday night so see uh see our youth pastor jimmy for that if you'd like to participate in worship on stage you can see uh, josh about that if you'd like to work in tech you can see wayne or jeremy uh, kids would be Deidre, you can see myself or Mark about any of those ministries. And we just love to have you guys come out and participate in some of these things because it's more than just sitting here and absorbing on Sundays. We don't want to be that type of church. We want everybody involved. And I think you're going to see from the, the the portion of the life of Abraham that we're covering today how important it is to answer that call at times. So before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings, Lord. Thank you for all those that have made the effort to come out today to hear your word, Lord. We just pray that you'll continue to bless Journey, Lord, that you will, will help fill the volunteer needs we have, Lord, that not only does it serve a need, but God, it's such a blessing to be able to serve God, and it's it's indescribable until you've been there and started serving, Lord, how much it means to you. And we just pray for those, those volunteers, Lord, and just pray for them today that I'm about to deliver, that the... The Holy Spirit will touch each life here, Lord, and, and and have a good application of what the story being told. We just pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, guys, one thing I would like to start out with, just a a, a little business here to tell you, one of the reasons I'm teaching today is, as I think most of our congregation is aware, is Mark's father passed away this past week, and uh, a tough week for his family, so uh so I'm jumping in and teaching this week to give them some time to do the things they need to do but uh you know and I and I always feel a little odd saying Mark's dad passed away. That's not Mark's dad. That's my friend John. I mean John was a was a very integral part of us founding journey. Super faithful, drove down here every day for how many years, Mark? I don't about 8 years. About eight years they drove down every day to worship with us. John was one of our first elders. Lots of wisdom just a godly, godly man, and uh, he's going to be greatly missed. Uh, if you're interested, uh, interested, we can get you the details. There's going to be a celebration of life service the 17th of this month up in Lenore City at John's uh, church that him and Judy found up there. So if you're interested in going, and if you would like to give Miss Judy a card or anything, uh, either message me or Mark, and we can give you the address that you can send cards and notes and that sort of thing. And I believe in lieu of flowers, they had a fund they wanted to donate to, Mark, was it... Missions at your local church if you would like to do something in, in John's honor. So anyway, just wanted to, to tell you that, be praying for the family this week and uh, it's kinda kinda cool to me to get to talk about Abraham today, another godly dad. And that's where I'll I'll always think of John as is not only my friend, but Mark's godly dad, and he's been a lot to us. So let's dive right into scripture this morning. What I want to do this morning to set this up is I want to just read through the entire passage. So We'll read through this entire passage, then I'm going to come back and break it down for you. But I want you to get this whole picture. And I think you already, most of you, that are, if you've been in church any time at all, have probably heard this story. But I want to tell it a little different way today. So let's begin with Genesis 22, uh, verse 1. We're going to go through 14. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. I want you to remember that phrase. We're going to mention that several times. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the boy and I will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on, his, on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together, and Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? It shall be provided. Interesting story. How many of you have heard this story before and are fairly familiar with it? Lots of folks have heard this story, know what it's all about. And what I wanted to to say today as we as we begin this, we really sometimes oversimplify this story. We gloss over it. We've heard it so many times. We don't look at the details. We don't look at the cultural relevance. We don't look at what Abraham's going through. We don't look at Isaac. And we get... We just kind of get this glossy view of it, but one of the things I wanted to start out saying today is, if you noticed anything, what who did we talk about last week? Do they remember? Who was the other? Who was the other son? Ishmael. Remember that? We talked a lot about Ishmael last week. Isn't it interesting that those two stories are side by side in Scripture? Chapter twenty one is the first son that that. Abraham had, where he had a lack of faith, went to his his servant and had a child with her. And then right next to it in Scripture is the promised son that God had promised him all along. So there's going to be some parallels we're going to see between these two. But now, I will tell you, I've picked up some things in, in going in depth in these Scriptures that I haven't thought about. Now, last week, I don't remember if Mark mentioned this or not, but Ishmael was not a baby. Okay, When Ishmael was banished from, from their presence, he was a child, a lad, a boy. That's how Scripture describes it. Uh, most scholars think he was around 13 years old. So when you hear of Ishmael that Hagar took and hid him under a bush because she didn't want to see him die, don't you think of a little baby? Yeah, everybody thinks that was just a little baby. No, this was a young boy. And you kind of wonder, was he in frail health? We knew they were they were going without water. But here was this story that we had last week. And he was 13 years old. Well, now we see Isaac. We're going to see Isaac was born. How many of y'all thought that they were born within just a couple of years of each other? I always thought that. I thought, you know, here was this this little kid and here was the baby. No. Again, when he was banished, Isaac was 13 years old. And when he was banished, uh, Ishmael was 13 years old. And when he was banished, Isaac had just been weaned. So kind of taking from all of that, we figure out Isaac was maybe three years old when he was weaned. Um, again, cultural differences. Children growing up in the Middle East were weaned much later. They didn't go to the Walmart and buy formula. And so they didn't have those things to rely on. So the children were weaned at a later age. But at any rate, here's this probably young, smart aleck teenager. Have you all experienced that in your home? Yeah. Yeah, some of you have experienced that. Is making fun of the little kid getting weaned. And it sets the little kid's mom off. And she wants them banished. And we talked about that story last week. Again, that was details that I had never thought about that in scripture. I'd never thought that that Ishmael was nearly a teenager. I'd never thought about how old Isaac would have been. And then when we see this next story that we're going into about Isaac's sacrifice, that's another thirteen years from from after that point. So lots of detail there of their ages and stuff that I had never picked up. let's just dig right in verse one where it says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. What a relationship that says. First of all, I don't know how many of you feel this way, but there's one phrase in this that I don't want. I don't like. It scares me. Who wants to be tested by God? Anybody? Is that high on your list for God to test you? No, that's that's one of the, the scariest things I can imagine. But if you have the correct faith, it's one of the greatest blessings you'll ever experience. And that's what we're going to see with Abraham. So when in, you know God's going to test Abraham, and he says, where, he says Abraham, and Abraham immediately, immediately answers, as he asked in his entire life, here I am. Now, what else do we know about Abraham? What else do we know about Abraham from our study in here? Abraham is, has been faithful. He's answered God. Has he also been devious and done a few things that didn't really work out well? yeah he's human yeah we we see he claimed his his wife was his sister and things like that we've We've seen him be a bit conniving to get out of trouble at times or to 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 try and avoid trouble and that sort of thing so we've we've seen that he's not perfect, but he answers the call and I think that's something for us to to really focus on today He's not perfect, but he always answers that call. Continue on, God says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, as Western Christians, what's your immediate response to that? Why do they say, What? Does that sound like God? Does that sound like the God you know that if you're a Christian, the God that you've grown up studying, does that sound like Him to say, Hey, go take your kid and kill him? Does that sound like anything you would think our God that we worship would say? That is so far out of the context of anything that we can imagine. But you've got to think about this culturally. Abraham lives in an Eastern culture. We live in a Western culture things were very different. There are so many things that are cultural-related in Scripture that are so much richer when we understand what was going on around the story we're reading. Now, one of the things that struck me in thinking about this is, you know, Western civilization today and Eastern civilization in the Middle East are still very different in, in many respects. There are developed countries there, but there are also still nomadic people that live there. They go from place to place, you know. In Scripture, a lot of things there... The, the people that are living in the Middle East, it's a culture of survival. They're just trying to survive. I mean, how many people do you know, they have gone on a journey and have almost died like Hagar did and Ishmael because they didn't have water? To us, that's a foreign concept. That can still go on in the Middle East, though, if you're on a journey and you don't have enough water. You know, water is a is a highly desired resource in many countries. We don't worry about that here. But maybe the worst we might get is, oh, it's a severe emergency you. You know the water that's being provided to the spigot in your in your kitchen you 'll have to boil it for a few days It's so much difference culturally when you're living in a, a culture of survival, but this is an Eastern culture, and I want you to read what Marty Solomon says about this. If God is interacting with an Eastern culture, God is going to try to set up a rabbinical moment of discovery, a moment that Abraham will never forget, so that he will be truly learned the lesson. He won't just show the information, he will learn it in the most intimate way possible so that he can pass it on generations and generations to come. See what we've got to realize here is Abraham lived in a land where people worshipped multiple gods and it was customary for those gods to demand child sacrifice. That's where, again, we get this idea that, that maybe I don't know. I, and this is just my idea. Somebody may may have the same idea. You may not. My idea was always that you know there was this this Jewish culture that Abraham grew up and they went to temple and they did this and they did that. This is before all of that. They are living as a nomadic people amongst these other nomadic tribes. That if if you go and and look at them, they're regularly killing their children and sacrificing them to their gods. Um, scripture mentions multiple gods. It often mentions them. You know, we see Psalm ninety-five three says, For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. You know, we have as a Western civilization, we have minimized these gods. Because if you'll notice it's usually translated in English translation, it's little god with the little g. I'm sure you've been taught that maybe as a kid. That's little g gods, and we serve the big G, G-O-D God, because he is the he is the king of all kings. It is above all gods, as this says. But we have minimized that to the fact that it's like, well, those people were just deceived. Well, who was deceiving them then? Was it just their own minds? Did they just make this up in their minds that suddenly there were these gods? Or was there something supernatural going on here? And we'll get into that in just one second. But look at Deuteronomy 12. This is after the time of Abraham. This is describing what's going on. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess, and you dispossess and you dispossesses them and dwell in the land. Take care that you not be ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you and that you do not inquire about their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods that I also may do the same? You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods." For they even burned their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to or take from it. But this is after the time of Abraham. And this is where we as Christians get things chronologically out of order in Scripture. I've heard this in this context. understood that God's against this. But guess who hasn't heard any of this information yet? Abraham. He's never heard of this. Abraham is is following a new God to him. He's never heard of this. The people around him are not serving this God. So he doesn't have this, this benefit of this background information. You know, who were those gods? Perhaps fallen angels. We're not really sure in Scripture. They're not detailed out. But we see that Paul talks about fighting principalities and powers. We see times that we see that I was hindered by a power to go somewhere. We see mentions of angels and that sort of thing. I mean, here's the thing that, that again, sometimes we have to be so careful about culturally what we have observed, have absorbed as Western Christians compared to, to what's really going on. Angels, I think nobody here has problem with angels, do you? We've heard of angels, you know, they they decree things, they speak for God. But Satan took a portion when he was cast out of heaven and they fell to earth. What happened to them? Fascinating stories about all that. And that may be where some of these little gods came from, was these supernatural beings influencing the events of man on earth. However, we have to keep this in perspective because this was all Abraham knew. All he knew was the role of the small gods in the cultures around him. So it was nothing unusual to be asked to sacrifice your child. So, however, we got to know Abraham's heart. You know, think about this and why God has chosen him. That's going to come through as we keep reading in the story in verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. So again, Abraham is being obedient. He doesn't know the story, he doesn't know he hasn't seen the end of the story. he doesn't know what type of God he's serving, and so he just gets up and he gets and starts on the journey okay so on the it says the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar, so a three day journey, right wrong Abraham was somehow making a half day journey from Bersheba to Mount Moriah into three days. Never caught that in Scripture before. Do you start looking at the geography of where it is? Abraham should have been able to get there in a half day. Some call, scholars even say that he perhaps went all the way around the Dead Sea to get to the destination. Does this sound like a guy that is absolutely sure of himself and what... God is doing. No, I think he is tentatively following God at this point. He said, "God, I'm going to do what you want, but you didn't say I had to do it in any time frame, and you didn't say I had to go in a straight line. So, I'm going to try and figure this out, and we're going to kind of meander around. And I'm going to talk to Isaac, and I'm going to see what happens. That's human nature, and I think that's what he was doing here. He was, he was seeing this, you know, and he's taking as long as he can. And now the time is upon him. He has seen the place from afar." So Abraham realizes the time has come. He looks around and he says to the young men that are with him, he says, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go there and worship and come again to you. Interesting thing there. Why does he say that? Does he have an inkling that God is going to somehow miraculously not require this? Is, what, are, what are Abraham's thoughts right there? Because he says he's going to come back. Now, what do we know about Abraham's personality? Abraham will sometimes tell a fib, won't he? Maybe he just didn't want to be honest. I mean, what were the young men's you know, reaction? Men? Hey, I'll be back in a few. Years. We'll go sacrifice the boy over here. We'll go kill him. We'll be back in a minute. In that culture, that might not have even been frowned upon. They would have thought, yeah, that's what God's around here doing. So Again, culturally, we've got to think about what's going through his head, and we really don't know because Scripture's not clear. But for some reason, he said, I'm going to come again to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, put it on his shoulders to carry, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and so they both went off together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, okay? In the in the background of this passage, there, a lot of scholars are saying that they were just carrying on conversation. This my father was like a, an interruption. Have you ever been talking to your kids and your kids interrupted you? Has anybody ever had their kid? If you you don't have kids, if you haven't haven't experienced this, you know, hey dad, hey dad, hey mom, hey dad, hey mom, hey dad. That's kind of what he's doing. He's like like Abraham's been you know talking. Maybe they're talking about the Dead Sea and they're they're just going on. He's like, hey, hey dad, dad, let me ask you something. And again, he responds with, here I am. He's always there. He says here i am my son and his son said behold the fire in the wood but where is the lamb for the burnt offering hey dad what's up you said we're going to go sacrifice now think about this also they're going to go they're going to do a sacrifice are you going to tell your son what you're doing that's a tough one isn't it what is, what is isaac going to think in this situation you know, where is this lamb that we're going to offer up up till now, Isaac has been believing they're going to go sacrifice a lamb or a ram or something of that nature, which was been been standard practice for them. But now he's hey, what's up? Now, how do you answer that as Abraham? What is your natural tendency as a parent? Isn't it to protect your children at all costs? That's one of the most valuable things in your life, is to protect your child. You would do you would sacrifice your own life to protect your children. And so we have that natural tendency. How does he go against that even? I mean, I can't imagine that as a human being, as just another wanderer on this earth trying to follow Christ, how you do that? How can you even fathom doing that? But here's what happens. Abraham says in verse 8 God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. One little interesting tidbit here I found. Do y'all realize that Hebrew does not have punctuation marks in most of it? Scholars and translators added the added this. So they the translator adds the punctuation. This could have just as well read, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. That comma makes a big difference. Y'all have seen the Facebook memes about commas and how important they are. You know, it depends on whether you eat your dog or your dog eats and that sort of thing. Well, this is kind of what this is here. Depending on where that punctuation is, he has either told him, you're the sacrifice, or he said that, hey, God's going to provide a sacrifice. Either way, he's still not sure of what's happening. So when they come to the place that God's told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, what do you guess he's going to say? Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Wow. Now, we talked about rabbinical moments a minute ago. If you were in the very act you've gone through, you've delayed as long as you can, you've talked to your son, you've turned a half-day journey, three days. You're agonizing about this decision. You're torn inside. I need to protect my son. God would, but maybe this God, maybe he's like these other gods. So this is just part of it. If I'm going to follow him, I'm going to have to kill my kid. I don't know, but I want to follow this God. He's been good. He's been truthful. And and so Abraham is just torn inside. And so he gets up to this point with the knife, getting ready to plunge it into his son. And an angel says, whoa, stop. Abraham. He says, here I am. And immediately puts down the knife and goes through a different, different, different path. This was the rabbinical moment of discovery for Abraham. This was an unforgettable experience that taught God's nature through an action. And this is the difference between God interacting in an Eastern culture and a Western culture. Now, if God had interacted the way we would expect in a Western culture, he would have simply walked out, talked to Abraham and said, Hey, Abraham, I want you to look around. These people around you, they sacrifice their kids and that is not okay. That's not a true God. No God would ask ask you to sacrifice an innocent child that's wicked, it's evil, don't do that. That's the way we as Westerners would expect that conversation to go. However, that is not the framework of where Abraham's at. So God did it in a different way. He did it in a way that through the actions, through this rabbinical moment of teaching that Abraham would never forget that. Which is more which is more forgettable to just say, hey, you shouldn't do that. or are you to be in the midst of doing it and God stopping you and saying, I was testing your faith and I want to show you something. Man, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that kind of interaction with God that an angel speaks for God and says, stop now. Would you ever forget that? Absolutely not. What do we know about angels? We through, see throughout Scripture the angels are mighty beings. You know, they have a mighty voice when they come. Usually, if an angel appears, what's the first thing they tell you? Fear not. Do you think that's a, a rememberable moment when an angel tells you to drop your knife and stop what you're doing? My goodness, what a teaching moment. And that's what happened. So Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. What a fantastic story. What a story of faith for a guy that, this is so different than the way we typically think of this story. I mean, I think of it was a parent, you know, that yeah, we, we can't joke. How many of y'all have ever wanted to kill your children? That's a whole different thing. You know, this is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about this is when they're being good and you don't want to kill them. You know, and and so and he was also a teenager. Is that even more pertinent to you, you parents of teens, you know, wanting to kill your teenager? You know, that's that might be a little easier to understand, but that's not where we were at here in this scripture. It's just so totally different the 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 idea of culture. But now, what I really want to do, and I'm excited to do, is let's go back and let's tie some of this together because Mark talked about last week. Even to this day, the legacy of Ishmael and Isaac has been tied together, hasn't it? We still see conflicts in the Middle East that is coming from these two families that God has blessed and multiplied. So, it, it just we didn't include the scripture the the end of chapter 22 does go on that says I've promised you Abraham you 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 will have be greatly multiplied through your faith and that's how the chapter ends, is him describing his promise to him and that through Isaac that this 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 multiplication will happen but we also know he promised the same, same thing to Ishmael last week didn't he when they found him in the wilderness you're you're going to have a great nation too so we have these two great nations still around us which are causing conflict today And also, I think one of the things that that we don't understand, do we have anybody in our audience that ever served in the military in the Middle East? Don't see anybody this morning. I have friends that served over there, and what they will tell you is the difference in culture is still there. There are people there that live uh very differently. Some of them are still even superstitious. They still some of them are almost nomadic tribes. And we're trying to go over and, and talk to these people and try and win them to the Western way of thinking. And it's so different. And that's one of the things that I think when we go through the Old Testament is so rich as if we'll just look at these stories and what's going on around them. And what you know, there's sometimes some hidden meanings and things in them as well. But let's look at the story continuing of Ishmael and Isaac and what was going on with them. Now, evidently, everybody in Scripture uh, was, early, was an early riser. They got up early in the morning. We have got a list here, yeah, early in the morning. Here's the first parallel we see when Hagar is and Ishmael are banished from the presence of, of Isaac and, and Abraham. They leave when early in the morning. They're leaving camp when God asks for Abraham to take his son. They leave early in the morning, a parallel. Again, these two stories sitting side-by-side in Scripture. They bind their supplies on their shoulders. Uh, In the first example, Hagar takes the supplies, the water and food, they put water in the skins, remember, and puts it over her shoulder, and then this one, Isaac takes the sacrifice materials on his shoulder, the the brush, the the wood, whatever you want to call it. Both these stories involve brush. You remember what Hagar did? She took and put her son under the brush because she couldn't stand to see him die. She went. Again, think this is a near teenager. This is a young man. She takes, puts him under the bush, and walks away so she doesn't see him die. The brush here is on and around irre- the sacrifice that Abraham is getting ready to make of Isaac. Look at the difference in these two. She's she can't stand to see her son die and so walks away. And over here, Abraham is being asked to actually kill his son and see it with his own eyes and his own actions. A a fantastic parallel there. What happens as as things are looking their worst, things are working their direst. I didn't put this in the notes, but an angel speaks in both cases. Hagar is out. She thinks her son's going to die. She presumes she's going to die the son cries out. Remember Mark talked about that last week, the type of cry that was, that God hears that cry. doesn't say he heard anything from Hagar, but he heard Ishmael's cry as a young lad crying out. And when he heard that cry, he had an angel interject and speak to them. Over here we have Abraham getting ready to sacrifice Isaac. He has the knife up, and at the last moment when things looked their worst, he comes out and has an angel say, stop. Angels have intervened in both of these stories and these parallels. And what happens when you hear the voice of the angel? You look up. I think there's something really neat about that, too, that looking up. Isn't that almost always a positive force? To look up. If we say somebody's, what, they're down and out, they're looking down, you're looking down. But when you're looking up, Something about that that's enlightening and refreshing and gives hope, and so they looked up. So Hagar looked up at the to hear the, where the voice of the angel was coming from, and as did Abraham. And at that point, through the angels, God spoke to both of these individuals and did what? Made a covenant with them and said, "Hey, these boys that have been affected here, your boy over here, Ishmael." He's going to have a great nation. There's going to be multiple people around him. He's going to have a great nation. Over here, Isaac. Isaac's going to have a great nation. And when you think about this, going back even to the story of Hagar and Ishmael, Abraham is central in both of these stories because he is available to God. God tells him and speaks to him directly comes to him when the story of Hagar and Ishmael and says, "Don't worry about them. remember the interaction last week between God and Abraham angel speaks to him and says, Don't worry, they're going to be all right he in when that in the same context Abraham answered when the angel asked Abraham and he said, Here I am. He was always ready for that next word from God and what that meant so over here in this scripture you know he answered Three or four times in this passage, here I am. The first thing he made available was just for God calling, just God knocking on that door and saying, "Abraham, hello, Abraham." And he's like, "Here I am, God. What do you have for me?" So goes on through this scripture, and we see what happens when Isaac asks, "Dad, what? What about? Hey, Dad, Dad. Hey, Dad. Here I am. What do you need? I'm here. I'm always here." And then finally, at the end of the passage, we see him when the angel calls. He says. Here I am, again, ready to do whatever the call from God is. And that is the tremendous faith of Abraham is his availability. Whatever is going on, whatever the situation, he has been ready for God to give him the next word in the next direction and has faithfully tried to execute it. Now, did he always do things perfectly? No, we talked about that. He's a human. He did things that that didn't work out but he's always available and says, here I am. Now, this is who is called the father of the faith. Abraham's the father of the faith, okay? And this here I am, this availability. Can you think of anybody else in Scripture that is that way? God. God is using human examples to show us his supernatural abilities. He's using things that we understand, we understand answering like this. And just like Abraham was always there when Isaac called, God is always there when we call. And we don't think about this sometimes, but if we call out Dad, God, Father, He's listening. And He says, what? What does He say? Here I am. We just need to call out. One thing uh, I want to mention here also is that Abraham was always faithful and available When God called on him, just as God is always present and available to us, even to the point of being self-sacrificing. We talked about this last week about Abraham's self-sacrifice and how he would do things that were sacrificial to him. What about God? When God answers that, here I am, will he sacrifice? made the ultimate sacrifice, didn't he? He didn't spare his son. He didn't spare his son from sacrifice. He sacrificed his son for us. So that when we are in sin, and we cry out to God, and God says, here I am, we can say, God, I have done this, I have done that. And God, and the Holy Spirit, and Christ working together in our lives can say, you're forgiven. That is the picture of the gospel there, is here I am, and you're forgiven. You repent, you're forgiven, and you can follow God and have that relationship with Him. That here I am, we can call out to Him. And He has used this story of Abraham to humanly, to show us what it looked like to be that available, what it looks like to sacrifice. So if you know we can see a human that was able to follow most of this, he messed up as we said, because he's human. How much more is God able to answer to us that here i am when we have needs when things when we call out and he says here i am what do you need what can i help you with how can i do these things for now that's the side of us talking to god but what about the talking of god to us are you available you know we've talked all day long about here i am i'm available what what is god calling you to do do you all ever think about that I mean, I hope you do if you're here. I hope that's part of the reason you're here is to find out what God would have you do in life. Um, I grew up in a in a Baptist church, a conservative background, and the ultimate thing was always... How many of you grew up in that background? Anybody in here? A couple of you did. What could you go off and do? What was the ultimate thing? You would be a preacher or what? Missionary. There's the two biggies. Okay, that's the two biggies. You can be a preacher or you can be a... Va- missionary. You're available if you're available, and not to, not to to demean any missionaries, they do a great work, but I, we would have missionaries come in that didn't understand there were callings besides theirs. Y'all understand that? They would come in, and everybody, it doesn't matter how you're gifted, what you are, whatever, I think God's calling you to be a missionary. And I'm like, no, He's not. <laughs> I don't have any interest in this. You know, God, we almost made it like that you had to be self-sacrificing and do something that was going to be horrible that you couldn't imagine doing in order to serve God. That's not right. God gifts us in the ways that we can do things. How many of you love to be in front of people and talk? Nobody. Well, Paul. Yeah, that's obvious. Okay, yeah. We'll give you that, Paul. That's the reason you were doing announcements. I'm naturally an introvert. God has to do something in me for me to get up and speak in front of people. I'm just as comfortable sometimes being by myself and reading. Um, I can read. I can sit on my. Um, I could get absorbed in anything and read. And Karen will say, "Are you not paying attention to me?" No, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. I was reading. I have that one-track mind. I'm not. It's not a natural for me. God calls everybody. My calling was not so much to speak. It was to be a public speaker. It was to be someone that reached out to people like me. That, that was my calling to people that maybe had questions, people that, some people that didn't attend church regularly. To, God called me to be, a, be an influence to my friends. That's where my calling came. Mark's calling came to be a pastor. You know, all of us have different callings. Some of you are called to do work in the public sphere. It's not like when that missionary came you know, in, in and in those of us that grew up in a church background that were told, preacher or missionary, which one do you want to be to really serve God? You can serve God at your job. You can be a cashier at the Walmart. Jimmy can be a bartender. I can be an engineer. Mark can run a website. There's so many different things that we can do that God will work through us if we will make ourselves available. Look at these things that Abraham's descendants did through their faith and their availability. It says, who through their faith, and this is from Hebrews, who through their faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, but became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. I don't know about you, but that sounds like some pretty good stuff, doesn't it? That sounds like a fulfilling life to be able to, especially for guys. Does that excite you guys? I mean sure surely you guys get excited over conquering and being mighty in war and putting armies to flight and we're made strong. Oh, strong out of our weakness, thank that means I gotta be weak and vulnerable and all that stuff, you know. It's that's not guy stuff. But we look at all these things and we're like, gosh, look at look at what God did through these people. So let's look at each of these verbs verse. And as we close out here, I want you to look at these these verbs and let's think about it. conquered kingdoms. Unless you want to be the next Attila the Hun, that's probably not on your list to go out and conquer people. Uh, Not going to be like the Romans did, went out and conquered the Jews and and occupied lands. But what are things that we can conquer? Are there things that we can conquer in kingdoms, in the kingdoms that we serve in? Sure there are. Can we conquer inequality? Things like that. Can we conquer racism? Can we conquer uh, disparate Things that go on with the poor, sure we can conquer those things. You know, enforce justice, maybe be in a voice for those that are voiceless. If you have never been there, or that feels they have no voice in society, oh my goodness, what a calling! What a thing you can do! Uh, Many people think that they are just trampled down, that nobody cares, and you know who that happens to most in our society: the poor. If you go before a judge, you can go before a judge with the same charges, and the poor man will not come out as good as the rich man usually. Would you all agree with that? Depends on the quality of your lawyer. Oftentimes, even though the law, law should be blind, that often happens. How about being out there and enforcing justice? doesn't mean you go out and you take justice into your own hands, but it means you make sure that those that are being left behind in that system, you can minister you administer in prison. There's so many things you could do. Obtain promises. We obtain things from God. He promises us things to let us go forward. You know, if God tells you you can do it, hold on to that promise. Don't doubt him. You know, God, look what Abraham did here. He went out and was willing to sacrifice his son out of faith, you know, because he, he felt his character. Even though this was a strange new God to him, I think he had an inkling of that character. And I think he knew that God had his best interest in mind. Stop the mouths of lines. How about stopping things that are happening? We can go out and we can stop things that are happening that are bad for people. We can encourage people to stop things in their own lives that are bad to them. Lots of things, opportunities for ministry there. Quench the power of fire. That's another one of those things where maybe inequality or something or somebody is being oppressed that we can quench that power that's that is is, is so oppressing them. Escaping, escaping the edge of the sword. Refugees. There are refugees all around the world that need to escape the sword. There's. How about the Ukraine? How about working with people from the Ukraine? We have a friend, Mark, and I know that that went to Ukraine and went over to see firsthand what was going on over there as people were fleeing the sword from the Ukraine. All the global geopolitical stuff aside, there are still men, women, and children that are scared for their lives and they're fleeing. Maybe you could be involved in a ministry there some way to escape the edge of the storm. Made strong out of our weakness, the things that we think we can't do that I can't do it. Moses said, what? Well, God, I can't speak for you because I stutter. I'm not a good speaker. He took that excuse away, didn't he? He gave him someone to speak for him. That weakness, God can turn into a power for us. Become mighty in war and put foreign armies in flight, you know those of you that have served in the armed services that may be where God has called you to be. There are so many different ways that God can call you that you can help. How about being a part of this church? We've talked about that today being available you know we we need help, we need volunteers we need and sometimes that that is sometimes that's' market myself. Sometimes we're not very good at organizing this. Deidre has been doing a great job in kids. Mark and I couldn't do Mark, could you do what she does for kids? I can't do it. But Deidre has been faithful to do that. But she needs help. She needs people to come alongside her. She needs people to be available. You know, we need people to greet. We've got our elders out here been helping us greet. That's fantastic. Some of y'all have got to meet Ken. of I you mean, it's a blessing when Ken speaks to you in the morning. I love it. Ken's full of life, man. It's awesome. We need more of you that would like to do that. If you're a teenager, teenagers, we need you to do tasks around the church. There are things that you can do. I'm going to talk to Jimmy some more about that. We would love for you parents to encourage your teens to be involved in the church and do things that they can do. You know, how many how many of your teenagers are good with technology? Yeah, everybody's teenagers are good with technology. You know, I'm. And worship somewhere doing that. Teens don't think because you haven't got out, you haven't got a career, you haven't got married that you can't go ahead and be available. It's like, well, I'm not available yet because you know I'm not I'm not grown, I'm not I'm not mature, I've not done these things. No, God God does miraculous things through teenagers. We see a story here about the very founding of the religions of the world involving two teenagers, don't we? You know, it's it's fantastic what God can do with you as a teen. And what I just want to leave you with today is I want each and every person that's hearing this to be able to answer that call when God says, whatever it is he's calling you for, here I am. Just make yourself available. Go out there on that limb. Go out like Abraham did. Even if you're torn up inside about that, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if this is the right thing. You will never know sitting on the sidelines if you can do it or not. That's the big deal, is as long as you sit on the bench, you'll never you'll never do anything. I know people that have gone to conferences and seminars and been educated and educated, and then when you ask them, what are you doing in ministry? Well, I don't know yet. They, they just are lifelong learners about this stuff and never apply any of it. And so that's what I want to leave you with today is application. I want you to say, here I am, but I want you to do something with it. I want you to be listening for God. Do you think God speaks to all of us? I think He does. Do you know why we don't hear from Him often? We're not listening. Either that or we have some sin in our life that's put a barrier between us and God. And I want you to make yourselves available. If you've got that sin in your life, ask God to forgive it. Get that thing out of the way and get to the point that you can be in God's will and be serving Him. It is so fantastic. you know. It's, it's a privilege to get up here. I, and Mark feels the same way. It's a privilege for us to get up here and serve you by presenting the gospel as God has given it to us. And we try and let the Holy Spirit work through us, because if you'll notice, Mark and I use a lot of scripture when we teach. And we do that because that's God's word, and it's important, and we want to portray that. But we love bringing the cultural relevance to use for application. So the things you need to leave here with today are, here I am, God, what do you want me to do? That's the only thing I want you to, out of this whole message about Abraham and his faithfulness, I want you to remember, here I am, what do you want me to do? Let's pray.